All right, that works. Okay, so that's right, Eddie, secret mentor no longer. <laughs> okay, so guys, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, this is uh, an unprecedented time. Uh, you know, normally I like to do the uh, disruptors in person, uh, but you know, things are different right now. You know, the podcast is on hold, but the really cool thing is Dave had reached out to me uh, and, you know, was talking about some opportunities, things I could do to take advantage of it. And uh, I know Dave uh, because we're actually in a, a secret mastermind, one that's actually never talked about. It's kind of like one of those clubs, like Fight Club. We can't talk about it, but Dave and I are in that mastermind. Um, and Dave, like what I was doing, reached out to me. Um, and I got to know Dave through the, the mastermind, but what really impressed me was I had read an article in the Wall Street Journal about Dave and how he's one of these storm chasing investors. And so basically anytime anything bad happens, Dave finds it and sets up shop and finds a way to profit from it, which I think is amazing, which I think we should all learn that lesson. So. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Dave, you want to uh, introduce yourself uh, before we before we start asking questions? Sure, sure. Well, guys, uh, first of all, my name is David. Uh, I've been doing real estate for just a little over 20 years. I've been a part of over 2,000 deals and counting. And uh, as you can tell, I'm not very technical. <laughs> over here uh, uh, you got to see what's going on over here you you'd think this was like a uh, a um, the the work of like 10 dozen chimpanzees or something because I'm, I'm just not getting this over here but uh, I'm now using the computer so that I can hear you and I'm using my phone for the video we're, we're, we're going to figure it out, but bottom line. So we do. Where, we're problem solvers. Exactly. And where, where I may uh, lack in Zoom skills, uh, I, I kind of make up for it on the real estate side. And, right. uh, you know, so I've, I've done everything from single family to multifamily to commercial to development and one of the things that does set me apart, I would say, uh, regarding uh, the financial side and why I am actually qualified to talk about what we're going to be talking today is uh, in those 2000 plus deals, I have, with the exception of one single institutional loan, only used creative financing, private lending, hard money resources. So... Uh, yeah, you learn a thing or two over that time frame. Well, let's just talk, let's just take it from the beginning, right? Like, sure. um, you've been doing it for a couple of decades. Uh, you've seen, I've only seen one of these. And for me, ever since I went through one of these, I kept thinking I need to be ready for the next one. I can't wait for the next one. I've been priming for the next one. Uh, but a lot of us have been talking about raising money, raising money, raising money for when this happens and we just never do it. Right. Absolutely. And so, and one thing I shared with you was one of my regrets was I hadn't done it yet. And now it's too late. And you said, hold on now. It's not too late. So let's just take a step back. 
how did you get into this private money journey? Like, how did that even start? So, and, and it really started all the way back in the beginning. When I first got into real estate, I had all the three strikes against me. Um, you know, I had started out of college uh, and, and actually had dropped out. Uh, but, you know, we were all living the communal lifestyle with other college kids that we were working with, you know, that we, we had built relationships with and stuff. And uh, um, long story short, when we first started, it was five adults, three dogs living in a motel room at the time. I don't know if you've heard this story. I have not. <laughs> That's I, I've got one of those stories built for late night TV. You know, <laughs> uh, it was, it was a really rough situation and it was one of those things at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I saw one of those late night infomercials and I don't know whether it was the three o'clock part or or, or that it, it just was a great uh, a message, but, and I, I kind of lean towards the three o'clock part, really. But, uh, you know, this guy on TV said, you too can be a real estate millionaire with no money down. His name was Carlton Sheets, by the way. And uh, yeah. he, he just passed away uh, in January right. this year. And I got to speak to his daughter. Um, and I told her what, what an impact she had had on my life or, or he had had on my life. Um, but I actually got the course and he, back in those days, this is back in 98. And, uh, back then they didn't have such easy access, you know, where you can, uh, where you can square or you can do all these things to, to collect credit card information and stuff like that. They had check by phone. Okay. And it was, we were so tongue in, so, uh, so hand to mouth money wise that even though I knew I had the money and stuff, something happened that check bounced, but the course came back anyways. And so I was like, really, what, you know, I gotta, I gotta pay it. I gotta take care of it. So I tried to make everything, uh, you know, I called them. I tried to, to make it right with them. They couldn't even find me in the system. So 20 years later, over 2000 deals, millions of dollars in deals. I still owe Carlton 200 bucks, but, uh, so, <laughs> We'll, we'll see if we can just pay it forward. How's that sound? Absolutely, absolutely. So you're in a motel and you're signing up for this course um, or you signed up for the course, you got the videos, well, uh, VHS, I guess, probably at that time. It was. And you started, you know, taking action with it. Like, what did you do? What were, what were your first couple of private money deals or creative deals well, that like? that was the problem. No, even still, the, the, the dirty little secret that these gurus have is that it's as simple as they say, it's not as easy. And one of the biggest parts is the money. You know, sure, you can, you can make calls, you can do these things, but without, without the money, what are you going to do? You know, how are you going to close? Just because they say it's no, no, um, no down payment or, or no uh, money out of pocket doesn't mean that the owner just wants no money. 
And so it was, it was a huge learning curve realizing that there was not any money. Uh, I didn't have the money. I had bad credit, uh, gone through a divorce situation, had uh, no money and no income. I quit my job to go straight into this because uh, in a, a different failed business, they were, they were preaching, you know, you got to cut all ties to failure. You got to burn your bridges behind you. And so, you know, jumped in. I don't recommend that, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> Hindsight being 2020. <laughs> right. But I, I um, and so I got deals, I got contracts and such. And back then there wasn't a whole lot of wholesaling and such. So we had to close on them and we had to figure out what to do. And so, I, I mean, I, my, my search, I did, the, I did this search all through where I would, I would look up all the classified ads, go through the yellow pages, looking for uh, numbers of, of brokers that, that said that they did hard money or private money. It just was an absolute failure. I ended up having to get a job working at a church as part security guard, one of the mega churches in Lakeland, Florida. It was called Carpenter's Home Church. And I was security guard slash janitor, midnight, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And obviously we're not doing as much guarding as we are janitoring, you know, so <laughs> we, right. uh, uh, but I did get to uh, spend a little bit of time, you know, working on, on businesses. And while I was there, I was getting ready for my shift uh, one evening. And I'd get there early because, you know, I, I just, that was, at that point, we were so hand to mouth. I, that was where I could make my calls using their phone number and, and all that stuff. And um, I saw in a classified, there was this guy his name was Walter Riddle and Walter had five duplexes that he was selling for $150,000. Not a bad deal, right? Even back then it was pretty exciting. And so I, I had a, uh, an opportunity and actually I need to back up a second. I found a deal for me that was a duplex that, uh, that the owner said, I don't want the property. I just want to, uh, you know, unload it. And it was worth about forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. He offered it to me for 25. And the only trick I knew for creative financing was if I uh, give you 16,000 in a first, would you carry back 9,000 in a second? He didn't need the money. Uh, we actually knew each other from a previous, uh, you know, business, uh, but I had taken care of him. And so he trusted me. He liked me. He, he, he believed that I would do my part. So he agreed to the deal. Now the only problem is I need to come up with 16 grand, you know, <laughs> so, no big deal. exactly. So <laughs> I've called all those, those, uh, hard money, uh, numbers out of the yellow pages, all that stuff. Nobody was taking my call anymore. And, uh, and so 
this evening, I'm at Carpenter's, I'm getting ready, but I'm going through the classifieds and I noticed that, that uh, little classified with the five duplexes. And so I call it. And like I said, Walter Riddle picks up, he talks to me within five minutes. He knows I'm not the right buyer for the property. I know I'm not the right buyer for the property because the only trick I know is if I give you a hundred thousand in a first, can you carry back 50 in a second? And he wants all cash. So we talk, but he, he's this grizzled old veteran and, and he, he just takes a liking to me and we start talking and he tells me about all the 20, 30 years that he's been doing this and, and all the stuff that he's been doing. And I'm trying to stay up and, 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 you know, the old saying, fake it till you make it type thing. If, if, mm-hmm. if that'll work. So I'm, I'm just, you know, well, I happen to have this one contract that I'm working on, you know, after we've talked for about 30, 40 minutes, I said, yeah, I'm working on this contract. I'm figuring out what I'm going to do with it. Uh, but I got this duplex. It's worth $40,000 and I got it for 25 and I got the owner, uh, you know, carrying back nine in a second. And he says, really? Okay. Do you have your money lined up? He said, I said, well, no, I was, I was looking around. I, I was still checking out my options. <laughs> <laughs> still evaluating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, well, I do private money and I do hard money. Uh, and I do brokering of it. Uh, would you mind if I take a look at it? Now there's a nugget right there. Because if I had known he was a hard money lender, a private money lender, I would have blown it because I was desperate for the money. I was absolutely desperate for the money. And you can tell when someone is, I would have blown it. But because I did not know, and because I knew that, and I was just working on the relationship and I was learning from him and, and we were having conversation the desperation didn't show up. And as a result, he looked at the property. He actually funded me 18,000 because he knew that there'd be need for closing costs and stuff. So he funded me the 18,000. I closed. I actually walked away from that closing with $782. Did you frame that check? What's that? Did you frame that check? Oh, dude, I cashed that check in small bills. At that point, I wasn't living in a motel. I was living in one of those weekly ratty trailers in one of those weekly Mm -hmm. trailer parks. I brought home the $782 in small bills, spread it over my bed, and rolled in the dough. (laughs) That's actually what I did. And you never finish the first. So that was my first deal, but here's the cool thing, because now I had a mentor slash backer. By the end of that year, I had closed on 32 units that I had. So once I had the once I had the backing, we closed on something like seven properties that ended up being 32 units by the end of the year. That's about five months. That's, the power of being able to have a backer behind you. And that was what year? That was in 98. 98. Yeah. Yeah. So 
That's amazing. So you did 32 deals. Um, and that was with him units. or with multiple this backers? The total is a 14 unit. Okay, 32 units. And with that, that was with him as the backer or were you able to find other backers in that meantime? In that instance, it was with him as a backer. Remember, I'm still green at that point. This is my first yeah. year. I haven't figured out what I do. I, I haven't even figured out what I don't know at this point. Right. So, gotcha. yeah, that okay. was with him as a backer. And then at what point did you, I mean, did that relationship sour? Did you figure out you needed more backers? Like what, what was that transition? So no, and thank God it didn't sour. I, I knew him. Uh, he only passed away. I want to say about three, four years ago, he became my mentor and mm -hmm. uh, he passed away about, about three or four years ago. I miss him to this day. I got to tell you. And uh, we never did uh, sour. I'm, I'm so proud to say that I actually get to pay it forward because his son, Stephen, uh, is, is uh, just a wonderful guy. And he came to me and, and asked me if I would help him learn the business. Oh, wow. And so I, awesome. get to, I get to honor Walter's legacy by actually mentoring his son. And that's just yeah. such an awesome thing for me. Uh, so no, it didn't sour. However, there is one truth that is always going to be true. There's never going to be more money than deals. Okay. There's always going to be a need for more. And, and there was of course a, a level where, I needed to expand my horizons. I needed to go ahead and start reaching out. And so I did. And at that point, we're starting to come into the 2000s and, and, and um, I, I was able to expand my, my relationships with some uh, private money brokers that actually opened up uh, additional lenders. And then it moved on into 2003, 2004, 2005. Um, and that money, money just became so stupidly available. It, yeah, it was way, way too prevalent. I mean, they made a big movie about that, right? The big short. <laughs> the big <laughs> short. Way too much but, money. Up. But hard money and, 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 and even private money, but hard money was so easy to, to get. Let me just give you an example. Back then, between 03 and 07, there was a huge lending company. You've, we've all heard of Lending Home, but this one was Lending One. And it started as Bristol uh, Lending. It was the largest lender in Florida. For, if you had a 600 uh, score, a 600 credit score, they would give you a 500,000 line of credit they would give you a 500,000 line of credit. You could borrow 70% of the ARV, including repairs and closing costs. For signature, you could buy the house. So, <laughs> I mean, and if you had a 700 score, they'd give you a million line. So you, you get how, how easy it was to get money at that point. Uh, but the, the thing that I always knew and the way that I always would pivot would be I would find the money and I would use 
I would, I would determine what the money wanted. And then I would find the deals that fit the money. It made my life so much easier. Wholesaling, of course, became a prevalent thing. I would actually provide a funding source to go along with, and I'd get, I'd get bidding wars going on my deals. Uh, because yeah, and I think this is an important point, though. Like a lot of things, like we've gotten comfortable, right? Like the last few years, absolutely. Um, all of us, right? And we haven't been looking for money. And this principle of there's more money than deals, or you'll never, if you have enough money, you'll find you'll have all the deals. But if you have all the deals, you won't have necessarily have enough money. And that's such an important principle. And you know, I got comfortable. I was asking that question earlier about whether things got sour because I had, I had a million dollar line of credit, right? With one of my private money investors. And it was a great situation. Like I would call her two days before close of escrow. Like, Here's how much I need. And she would front the purchase cost, the closing cost, and the repair cost. Exactly. And there was no points, no down payment, and no payments until I was done. Like I couldn't ask for a better relationship because I had that. I didn't look for any more money. And now, we're here today because I need to learn how to find more money. Absolutely. Yeah, we always have a, a statement and it goes exactly with what you said. Most people think if the deal is good, the money will come. Well, I actually have the opposite approach. If the money is good, the deal will come. Especially right now. I, I know there's a lot of wholesalers out there. There's a lot of guys. I think we, we're in a mastermind together and, and someone presented to us the fact that people are just sitting on the sidelines and they're not actually even making offers or they're waiting for it to get to ridiculous numbers. Or they're lowballing the wholesalers. Lowballing like you wouldn't believe. Now, it, on, at least on the wholesaling side, it is a buyer's market at this point. Yep. But what mm -hmm. if you could say, if you could add just one sentence to your wholesale deal, financing available to a qualified buyer, would you not get all sorts of people calling you on that one? All of your list would be calling. And, and uh, that- That's an important point because a lot of the buyers that are backing out right now aren't necessarily backing out because they're not interested. They're backing out because they're hard money lender or private money lender is gone. Exactly, exactly. One of the things that you and I have discussed, and, and I always say it in any presentation, any, any conversation I have regarding real estate, is that what we are is professional problem solvers. We got a problem right now, let's solve it. And the key to it is being able to have your hands on for you, and even to be able to provide it for others. I, one of my favorite examples of a deal, we did a 12 unit property. It was worth about 330 as is, uh, yeah, 330 as is, 440 subject to about 30,000 in renovation. Uh, there's two stories to it, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the part where we ended up selling it. We bought it for 115. We sold it for $265,000 and we had a bidding war going on. And this was during the last bust. This wasn't during the boom. 
this was during the bust. We had a bidding war on it because we had found we had we had gotten uh, a one of the lenders that was lending in the area, and we pre-called the deal that they said they would lend on the deal if they had the right borrower. So we were literally able to say financing available to the right uh, to a qualified borrower. And we literally got a bidding war going and, and we ended up with uh, well over $100,000 in, in profit. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things, I don't know if we were, plan uh, we weren't necessarily planning on talking about this, but I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, you're a storm chaser. Um, you know, okay. you had some, you had some massive success in, uh, in New Orleans because of this strategy of financing available. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure, sure. We did over 650 houses, our team, I should say, did over 650 houses over a three-year period um, after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, one, of the, one of the strategies we have, and one of the things I'm always excited about and, and doing is, you know, it's fine, we get great deals. We get some of the best deals, uh, you know, out there on the market. We don't market for, uh, for deals. I do not spend a dime in marketing. Uh, and one of the deals, just to give you an example right now, is uh, we bought a three house package that's tax assessed at over $600,000. And we bought it uh, for 175. We're closing actually as we speak. And yes, we have the money to do so. We got the backers to do so. We got it for $175,000. And we did no marketing for that deal. Uh, but that deal doesn't excite me. That deal does not excite me because as good as, and we're going to make over six figures on that deal. But it's not going to, you know how easy it is to spend six figures? It's pretty easy. It, I don't want to talk about it. Exactly. We don't want to talk about that right now. What I like is a duplicatable system. And one of yeah. the things we did was in, uh, in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. After that point, we did over 650 houses over a three-year period. How did we do that? Number one, every house that we went to, we would, our, our target market was between 150 and 300,000. We'd go through these subdivisions. Every one of those houses was uh, vacant and was free and clear. People for miles weren't living in these houses. And, and here's the thing, the government paid off all those houses after the storm and such. Now, long before, and I know since we're all here as, as uh, uh, you know, investors and, and problem solvers and, and creative, finance, uh, creative deal uh, structures and such, so we do a lot of skip tracing and stuff like that. Well, long before IDI, long before uh, TLO, there was tracers. And uh, tracers uh, got us... I mean, we were finding people in their homes be, you know, on the other side of Mississippi and, and Texas and North Florida, all over the place. We'd find them in their hotel rooms, we'd call them. And what we did is we'd reach out 
we would get the properties uh, we would get the properties under contract. And what we had is that same company I was telling you about lending one. Lending one was used to uh, they were the largest uh, hard money company in Florida. We brought them to uh, New Orleans because there was no money, no hard money, no private money in uh, the New Orleans area. And so the, the deal was set that we were their exclusive, exclusive uh, provider. And that gave us the full access to, uh, to be able to provide the funding for it. And remember how easy it was to get that access. So literally, we could find out what the ARV was going to be. Let's say it was $100,000 and it needed $20,000. I'm, I'm using very low numbers, but just for round numbers sake. But it's $100,000. We know they'll lend $70,000. Let's say it needs $20,000 in repairs. Fine. We go ahead and subtract that. And uh, that leaves uh, $50,000. Well, we would buy the house for thirty. dollars we'd add on our 20 and we'd sell it to people that we got qualified and let them fix it up and, and sell it. We wholesale those houses left and right in a duplicatable system uh, that allowed us to do 650 and the secret sauce was the money. Well, not just the money because you can increase your margins because of the money, but also you could also maybe pad your margins as well because you're bringing the lender to the table. Absolutely. Right. There, there was the ability. We didn't actually take advantage of the other option, which was the uh, fees we could make there. But, yep. but yeah, absolutely. There, there's so many opportunities to do it that way. Yeah. I know a lot of guys that uh, if they bring the financing, you know, available, then they're getting compensated. I don't know how, in <laughs> what fashion, but they're getting compensated for bringing those deals to the table. Now, we knew, right? We knew something was going to drop. Uh, for the last couple of years, we knew the party could not continue. You know, we've sure. seen this movie before from 2003 to 2006. We knew the party couldn't continue, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm not saying anyone knew that this was going to happen because we truthfully, truthfully, we didn't. We thought, you know, maybe after the election, we'll have a recession. Sure. So a lot of people were kind of getting ready for it, but a lot of people got caught with their pants down in the last couple of weeks. Sure. A lot of people did. And, and I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. That's just the reality of it. But because of your situation, you were telling me about this other mansion you're doing. Like, how has this uh, basic lockdown affected your business? So we, are, we haven't been affected in, in that aspect because uh, of two things. One, we are... Uh, and everything that we talk about right here is not theoretical. We're doing everything that we're saying. So we are marketing. We are actually still doing business up in uh, North Florida, up in Panama City, because we, again, follow the storm and have been dealing with the properties up there. Additionally, um, we're not, we're, we're fulfilling our commitments as far as the deals that we have in the pipeline that we have to pay off, that we have to do the work with, but we are not act 
actively really pushing to get brand new deals at this very moment because let's be honest, we don't know what a deal looks like today. Uh, today's 50% of ARV could be tomorrow's over retail. You know, we don't know. It could be that we have a, a, a relief bounce where we go up. Like you said, this is not a result of fraud, uh, of over leveraging, you know, of, of over speculation. This is a result of a global uh, infrastructure meltdown that none of us have seen in this lifetime. So if anyone tells you they know what's going to happen, even me, even you, you know, that that's not only not true, it's, it's dangerous and, and, uh, and just responsible. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But what we are doing is we're shoring up our infrastructure, making sure we've got our, our components in place to take advantage of these opportunities that will present themselves, whether it goes up or down, uh, there are going to be repercussions uh, for the situation. There are going to be opportunities. And so, uh, number one, we're uh, shoring up our infrastructure. Number two, and if not more important, we are reaching out to our backers. We are finding new backers. We are putting together as much money as possible available to be able to take advantage of these opportunities that are going to come. So I think this is really important. And I want to emphasize this because, um, you know, fortunately for us, you know, with our business, we haven't uh, had this impact as, you know, our business is still humming along, uh, but you know, I'm gonna have to pay more if I'm gonna have to take something down and that sucks. All right. That's because I lost my private money lender going hard money, that sucks, right? Uh, but for the most part, this hasn't really impacted our business. But, you, uh, you know, we mentioned beginning, you know, you made it through the dot-com 9-11 crisis and you made it through the recession. So going with the private money route, it appears that right now having private money has helped you insulate from this pandemic at the moment. Did it also insulate you in 2001 and 2008? So in 2001, uh, again, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that we were so green and we were lucky in the fact that we had our backer, Walter. And so we didn't necessarily feel all the, the issues that a lot of other people had. We had the money available to us and we were, we were pretty well insulated. So we actually got to take advantage of a lot of the, the opportunities. In 2008, uh, when it hit, it hit. Okay. That was, and I'm going to tell you, I've got to be honest with you, uh, and transparent. I was hit just like everybody else was. I had gotten lazy. I had gotten to the point I was not seeking out new money all the time. We had it. It was on every street corner. You know, they were, they were begging us to take their money. So unfortunately, I got hit just like everybody else did. And so 2008 sucked. <laughs> it was a rough, rough year. And, uh, and it almost felt like we were going back to square one. Uh, you yeah. know, 
uh, I like to say we were a rags to riches to rags to riches story, <laughs> you know, uh, because it, it really, it was a rough situation. But yeah. uh, what did, what changed was in 2009. I decided, I, I, I had to take look at what was going on. I had to see, because I was, the deals were getting better. The, the, the opportunities were incredible but I was back in square one where I couldn't get the money to put it together. And one day, uh, you know, I just had to go back to the drawing board. I started reviewing and I saw that there were these other guys that were still thriving in this business and they were closing on deals left and right and they were getting super deals, you know, absolutely phenomenal deals. And I, I just had to find out what was going on and they were still using backers. They were still using backers. So what I did is I actually uh, went into public records and I just peeked and sure enough, they were there, but how do I find some for myself? And so one day I, I had an epiphany and I used a, a tool that we're going to be presenting and we're going to be able to utilize. I went into public records and all of a sudden it was like by using these specific parameters, by using these specific um, tools to be able to, to correctly navigate through public records, all of a sudden it was like a yellow pages of private lenders left and right that were actually lending in this market. And by the way, I'm going to actually fast forward for a second to today. We just sold a wholesale deal yesterday. Okay. Uh, put it under contract. We're going to be closing in the next few days. How was I able to do that? Uh, and by the way, I didn't market for them either. I went into public records. I found people who are closing during these last few weeks. And I skipped trace, reached out to them, and I had it sold on my first call. I had it sold on my first call. That's thing one. The same thing I did with the money. I also called, uh, I, I went through public records. I looked for the private lenders who were actually lending in today's market over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, you were calling that the, the hot zone. What was, this, what was that term you were using? Um, yeah, I guess it was. Was it the hot zone? I, I don't remember. Yeah, it brought this up in our mastermind a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, you're, there, people are still buying in this window of fire or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But the but fact that people they, are still buying and lending today, that's who we're going are, after. There are people that are taking advantage of this opportunity. I know I actually, just to see if I could, went ahead and made two offers off of the MLS. And I'm going to get one of the two at least. And I'll probably get the second one too. I don't usually, it's been years since I've been on the MLS looking for buyers uh, or looking for deals. But I just wanted yeah. to see because, you know, going back to 2009, once I found those lenders, 
the deals that I got, quadruplexes, and this is what, you know, because I love multifamily and I believe that is probably the, the hidden gems during this, this market time frame that, that we'll be able to take advantage of, uh, of being able to purchase and, and get a benefit of. But quadruplexes that were going that that were going for two fifty three hundred thousand in oh five oh six oh seven, I bought for seventy five thousand dollars. Okay, just ridiculous numbers, and uh, it's because of that. You know, with these lenders, I made two calls. Uh, to private lenders yesterday. I'm two for two. Those guys are waiting for me to send them deals right now. Right. So the money is there. There's money actively lending right now. And I actually reached out and they are willing to do deals with me. And that's part of our, 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 our process, the way that we did it, yeah. because there's a scientific method to that. And we'll, we'll probably address that too. Yeah. So um, before we go much further, Marissa asked a real important question because we haven't talked about it. What is a backer? So a backer is, is basically it's, it's the person that will fund your deal for you. As we all know, real estate is an OPM or an other people's money business and such. Uh, or in case you don't know, that's, that's one of the, the key terms that, that a lot of people have to say. You can buy a house one at a time. You can use your own money and you can fix it up and that's fine, but it will limit your growth potential because you can only do so many deals with your own money. But if you can find someone to back you on your deals and hopefully more than someone uh you know as far as lenders are concerned uh the average lender uh or the average person that that actually works with private lenders at least should have five five to ten yeah. we have over a hundred in our rolodex um, um. So one of the things I wanted to do as well is kind of go through some of the nuggets that we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, so Reggie here, he was asking, you know, what is the difference between hard money and private money? Sure, absolutely. So hard money is, is generally speaking institutional. Uh, they are broker driven and they have, uh, they have more institutional criteria for them. So hard money, has uh, many times is credit score driven, uh, is definitely going to be appraisal and, and have a lot more red tape to it. Uh, they will charge points and they will have very short uh, time frames for the loans. Uh, another term for hard money uh, also goes with bridge lending because you will have it and it's got a use. Don't get me wrong. I'm not speaking against hard money. And this is the cool thing about it. I actually have found hard money lenders who are lending in this market by going through the public records and actually finding those guys. And guess what I'm doing with those? I'm getting people qualified so I can sell them more properties. 
I'm not necessarily using it, but I'm getting other people qualified. I'm helping them fund themselves so they can help themselves and help me by buying more property from me. Yeah, but, and I think uh, that's go ahead. super important too, right? Is that as you raise money, because you mentioned, right? If you've got the money, the deals will come. Uh, not only will the deals come, but you could also wholesale the deal that you don't want to take down and still have it backed by money. So you can uh, still make money on it without having to take it down. Um, and, uh, you know, Adam Johnson, big sip wants to know, uh, he's in our mastermind too. Uh, what terms and conditions are you shooting for? Uh, when you're talking to, uh, your bar, uh, your, your lenders, your backers. So generally speaking, the the return side, especially with the private, and let me go ahead and finish one to finish Ray's question real quick. Um, the biggest point to private money is it's relationship built and it's relationship driven. And as a result, you can actually negotiate and work out the terms often to fit the criteria that you need. I have I have used private money that I've spent and I've gotten 5% uh, money, 6% money. I paid 12% money and higher based on whatever the terms I needed. Uh, additionally, uh, the nice thing is I don't have to, uh, you know, let's say hard money. Hard money has on average six months to 12 months uh, as far as a balloon when, when the loan has to be paid off. Private money does not usually even want the money back that quickly because they just want to be able to collect their interest. They don't charge points, the brokers charge points, okay? This is, this is where there's so much more flexibility to working with private money than there is hard money, though hard money does have uh, have its place as well. So back to uh, the question regarding the specific terms, depending on, and we've talked about forever fish and, and we've talked about uh, fish for now. If, if it is a private lender that I have, have developed, I started them from start to finish. Uh, I actually uh, trained them they're going to go with my systems. And usually I still believe it should be over 4% at minimum because uh, we know that money is almost losing money if you don't make at least 4%. Okay. So I, I'm happy with five, six, and seven. I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, but I also gear my, my negotiations based on who that private lender is. I will actually determine it, what their, their key points are because interest is not everybody's uh, key point uh, as far as their, their key factor in doing the deal. Some of them would prefer uh, to have a lower interest rate as long as they know that they are absolutely secure. They're more interested in security than they are the interest rate. Others are going to be more interested in the interest rate and they're willing to be more um, flexible on terms or or more aggressive on the deal. Some might yeah. take a second. 
you know, so on and so forth. Well, and I think this is one of the last nuggets we want to drop. So I want to, I want to save that, you know, that yeah, last absolutely. golden nugget for a little bit. Absolutely. So uh, we're getting a lot of people here asking, uh, they're surprised that you can find lenders in public records. I mean, if someone wants to find a lender in a public record, where can they even find that? that? That's the beautiful thing about public records. Public records, if you know how to navigate them perfectly. As I mentioned, I do not market for sellers. I don't market for buyers and I don't market for money. All three, if you know how to adequately uh, navigate through public records, you can find all of that. You can find sellers, you can find buyers, you can even find the money to put it all together. Uh, when, when I specifically talk about public records, and actually it's not limited to this, but your, your register of deeds and clerk of courts, it's there. You know what? It, it, when I say you can find sellers, you can find buyers, you can find the money to put it together, it doesn't matter if, if uh, you bought one house or a hundred houses, you got to record a deed. So there it is. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a private lender or a Bank of America, you got to record a mortgage or a deed of trust. It's going to be recorded. Uh, and the same thing with, with sellers. Sellers, the majority of their problems, for example, uh, one of my favorite uh, type of deals is, uh, is abandoned houses. Why would someone abandon a perfectly good house? I call it the four Ds, death, divorce, disaster, or detention, jail. <laughs> and all four of those are public record. So with those, you absolutely, in every aspect, you can use public records to, uh, to find all of those aspects. And right now, the most important, uh, the most important uh, one being the money. And I love that, you know, that nugget you just dropped right there, because, I mean, that was something that we talked about for like over an hour. And in fact, I have someone in my office whose sole job is to go through the criminal list, <laughs> the people that have been arrested for the last month. So um, I think that's, that's, that's amazing. So um, let's talk about that, that last nugget uh, we had talked about. Uh, there's two questions that every private lender is going to ask you. And if you ask it wrong, you're SOL. Absolutely. So what are those two questions? Sure, sure, sure. So, and, and this applies to every single private lender. This right here, I, I do wanna share with you guys, and, and I really think this can make or break your business. If you ask these two questions that I'm gonna give you, and you answer, if they ask these questions, they will ask you these questions, and if you answer this correctly to their satisfaction, they will always fund your deal, 100% of the time. And if you didn't get funded on a deal, look at these two questions. This is where you blew it, okay? The first question and the number one question they're gonna ask is, what's my security? What's my security? And, and you know, a lot of people might think that's over, uh, you know, that's too simple, as, but you know what? I don't care if you're Bank of America asking for a 1003 and, and uh, tax returns and the appraisal and all that stuff, or you're, you know, the gentleman that, 
that has uh, built up his IRA and, and is wanting to know how much skin you have in the game and how much uh, experience you have, they're both asking the same question. How am I not going to lose my money with you? And so that's the number one point. And I'm going to ask you, Steve, we've, we've talked about this before. So you're going to, you're going to pretend you don't know this answer, but uh, okay. you know, you, you being a, a uh, long-term investor, you, you've been a part of this, uh, you've been in it since 2008 and such. So you, you've got, you've got a great head on your shoulders, which I, I said that from the beginning, you're one of the best out there. Uh, if Mr. Moneybags is sitting in front of you and you know he's got the money, okay, so it's not about that. It's why, uh, why should he lend to you? What's my security? That's the question that he's asking you. What's my security? What, what's your answer? Or I say, what's most people's answer going to be? What was the that? The house. The house. Yeah. Most people are going to say it's the first mortgage on the house. And, and that's a great answer. And it's why 99% of the people don't get funded because that is not their security. That is actually collateral. Okay. The property, the first lien, the deed of trust and the note is a great answer, Matt, but it's actually not. That's the collateral. That's not their security. Their security is you. If they like you, if they trust you, if they believe in you, 99% of the deal is already resolved. All you gotta do is now perform. But if they don't like you, think about this. If they don't like you, if they don't trust you, if they don't believe in you, you could give them the best deal in the world, 10 cents on the dollar. They're not going to fund your deal. It's not going to happen. So the bottom line is you, most people are sometimes pitching the property. They should be pitching themselves. They should be showing their resume. They, one of the best things you can do, and we've talked about and Steve shared with you guys a lot of the nuggets that we've discussed regarding uh, going to your, uh, your uh, chamber of commerce and, and where you can find these lenders and backers and potential backers, how you can talk to them. But one of the best things you can do is to create a credibility package, uh, something that can show that you are, uh, are someone that can take care of their money, that they can be secure with. So that's the first question they're going to ask. The second question actually is pretty simple once you get the first one answered, but you still don't want to forget about it. The second one is, what's my return? Those are the two questions. What's my security and what's my return? If you can adequately answer it, and remember, to their satisfaction, then you got yourself done. Uh, you, you got yourself funded. There's no doubt because they want to lend you money. They want to right. lend you money. That's, it's in their best interest, but you've got to show them how they're not going to lose it. Yeah. And then there's one thing we've talked about, um, again, in our mastermind that I think is really helpful for everyone listening here. One of the reasons why 
is so critical right now uh, to be raising private money is that one of the strategies that you and I are going to start implementing is taking over people's payments as far as distressed landlords. So can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, I can see one huge opportunity and it's not just going to be for, for landlords, but yes, including landlords, by the way, the, the second deal uh, on the MLS that I made that I know I'm going to get was a short sale on a duplex. And you notice everything I'm talking about is multifamily and we can talk about that another time as well. But I believe that the multifamily uh, side, the landlords, the rentals are, are going to be uh, the most impacted by the situation, whether we move to the right, you know, we move up or down, it's still going to be volatility that's going to have to go with that. And so what I recommend, uh, you know, is, is uh, going back to that short sale, the lady had gotten sick, the property was in a bad situation. We are actually making an option for her where she actually modifies her existing mortgage and we're going to take it subject to. That's just a, a, a easy, simple strategy. Where else, what other time would that be so readily agreed to than, than just now uh, during this time frame? But uh, there's going to be a lot of landlords that there's a few things to think about. There's a lot of people who are getting these loans, uh, the SBA loans, the uh, the the, the loans, stuff like the that. The PPP loans, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. How many of them do you think are actually going to use them for the purposes they were supposed to be? Most of these, there's going to be so many, so much abuse of that of that kind of a loan. No and question about that. Still gonna, there's no doubt, and they're still going to end up being in the same uh, problem situation. And so what we will be able to do, what you just brought up as a great strategy, hey, if you need help getting through those lean months for the next, say, six months, would you be willing to partner with me on the deal? That can be a 50% acquisition right up front by, by just having the ability, having the backing, to be able to pay for those, those few months. And now you're a 50% owner with the first right of refusal on the other half. You could pick up such an inventory of multifamily that way, residential, you can buy businesses that way. Cause you know, there's gonna be a lot of businesses that are struggling for, uh, for payment assistance to be able to keep the, the business afloat. These are, yeah, I mean, so I just want to just kind of reiterate this for, for everyone that's listening, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about if you're looking at like a 12 unit and, you know, right now we're finding about 80, 90% of people are paying their rent still, right? Even though the government said you don't have to pay your rent, 80, 80 to 90, 95% of people are still paying their rent. But we're also finding that the people that have the multifamily, those are the ones where the rent's not showing up, right? The single family people are still paying their rent, but in the apartments, they're not. So if you go talk to an apartment owner today, and say, hey, I understand that you can't make your mortgage payments these next few months and you can't pay the water bill because your tenants aren't paying you, right? 
you're not making huge, huge returns on multifamily. Generally speaking, it's, high, it's usually leveraged to the max. So someone that's hurting financially to keep that afloat, you can come in, be a problem solver, and say, I will cover your bills for the next six months, but in exchange, I want 50% of the apartment. And I think that's such a huge nugget that someone could really crush it in the next 12 months with this one simple concept. Now, I'm getting a lot of questions here because we talked about the two questions and how you answered it, right? Impacted sure. whether you're gonna get it or not. And we said, the answer is you, right? You're selling you at all times, you're selling you. Second question is people want to know how to tactfully answer the question on what's my return. On what's my return? Uh, let me ask you this, or let me put it to you this way. Uh, and we do talk about uh, we do talk about uh, this conversation should have been further should always be into the relationship you should have more conversation this should be kind of think about it like you're buying a house okay what is it that you're supposed to do we you know steve you you preach on this uh just incredibly and and i i believe you're one of the best at this but you're building rapport with those people one of the first things and the most important thing to get to that point is to answer the, the first question, okay, which is what's my security? We'll get to the return, but you gotta answer that first 100% of the time uh, before you can even get to it. And one of the biggest mistakes people make is jumping to the return, assuming that's the, the most important uh, question. It's not, it's what's my security. So you're gonna build that rapport. The biggest security, there, if they like you, if they like you, that's going to be, that's going to get you to the next step, which is for them to trust you and maybe open their wallet to that first one. We're going to assume you have a decent deal, okay? Um, if they are one of the lenders that you've developed, then the the terms will be based on what they are already doing. So for example, we've talked about, you You shared the nugget, uh, one of the ways to convert uh, sellers into private lenders is asking the two questions. Uh, number one, what else have you got to sell? Number two, what are you gonna do with all that money? Well, the answer every time is I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do, a, uh, you know, I'm going to pay some bills, I'm going to do something nice for the family, and I'm going to put the rest into a CD or some kind of a savings account. And you ask them, what kind of return are you going to get on that? And they're going to usually say one, two percent, something along those lines, after which you know that four, five, six is going to be more than enough. So they should answer. One of the things you've heard me say, Steve, and I believe it applies to private money just as much as deals. If you listen to anyone long enough, they'll tell you their problem. If you listen even longer, they'll tell you how to solve it. Yep. Okay. That right there will answer your question while you're talking to them. They'll tell you what kind of returns they're getting on other deals and stuff like that. 
Now, if they are lenders we found in private money, that's a cool thing. We actually can see what they're lending at. It's built into the note. It's built into the mortgage. It, you know, stuff like that, we can actually know, oh, this one's doing 10%. Oh, this one's doing 8%. Oh, this one's doing 18%. I'm only going to use him if it's really aggressive. <laughs> um, well, I think that's a good point, right? To answer yeah. your question, what's my return? It's the same. Just treat it exactly like it would be if someone was asking you, what's your offer for my house? Exactly. We can't talk about that until we've built bond, bonding rapport, until we've learned about you, until we learned about your situation. And after we understand your situation, what kind of returns you're getting, that you're frustrated by the stock market going up and down, you can't sleep at night. Once we get through all that, now we can talk about, well, you know, what we offer, here's what we generally pay. I don't know if that makes sense for you. I don't know if this would work for you. But now we're talking about what makes sense for them versus just throwing out a flat offer that we offer everybody. Exactly. That's, that's 100% correct. Yep. All right. So I'm going to open up the Q&A here. Uh, we've got a bunch. So uh, Charles Southwick wants to know, how do you show a backer you're capable of giving them an ROI if you're new uh, to the business? That's a great question. That's a great question. And one of the best things I can tell you. So, so there's, there's two uh, parts to it. Part one is if you, all, if you have a body of any kind of deals, we were talking about building a credibility kit. If you've only done one deal, okay, that's still fine. Go to your title company, get a letter of reference. Go to your seller, get a letter of reference. Go to your uh, appraiser, go to whoever was a part of the deal, get a letter of reference. You just added the first chapter to your credibility kit. Okay, that right there is an awesome thing. Now, if you don't have any deals. This is the cool thing about it. You can borrow your credibility from someone who has. Okay, that's that right there. Uh, that's why I love the team effort. I love what Steve uh, offers with his coaching programs, with his uh, with his mentoring programs, because you can actually say, I work with Steve, who you know who has got blank amount of deals. You've got hundreds and hundreds of deals under your belt. I know that. Uh, and by being able to borrow from someone else's credibility, I got to tell you, that is the best way to leapfrog your own. Because from that point on, and that's why working with a mentor like, uh, like Steve, working with a mentor like me, working with a mentor like uh, some of the people that that you're out there that are already doing it that is how you get to to leapfrog your credibility yeah that's perfect uh, samuel abundance wants to know what's your what are you paying right now on your private money anywhere from five to six to to twelve yeah that's that's okay. an average i would say um i've paid higher and i've paid lower uh, Jenny Berg wants to know, are you going to be doing any live events after this COVID is over? You were actually supposed to speak at Adam and Brent's event uh, last right. month. So That's will you be right. speaking at any events after this is, after this gets, you know, whatever the new normal is, will you be speaking <laughs> at any events? So, so 
what we are doing, we are actually working on something. Now I'm spilling the beans a little early, a little bit. We're working on building something. One of the reasons Steve and I have been a part of, of a mastermind together for, for quite a while. And I loved what Steve was doing. And there, we've done this before. I Just so you know, we've raised capital from enough to do a single family deal. The biggest deal, single deal, that, that we did was over, uh, over 10 million on a development deal. Uh, and it was entirely private money based. Uh, it was all individual uh, money. And once you get past 10 million, it's just another zero, okay? Um, but we are working, uh, I, the, the one mistake that I didn't make, and let's, let's talk about this for a second. Guys, we know that this market is, is an interesting, we live in interesting times. We've never seen anything like this. However, the secret to succeeding in this kind of market is to see what the smart money is doing. I wanna go ahead and talk about a, a um, group that, that has made so much money as a result of these booms and busts, okay? Uh, there's, a, there's a hedge fund out there called uh, Blackstone. Blackstone was, I'm sure a lot of you guys know uh, what I'm talking about. He, that was one of the hedge funds that was buying up, that they bought over 10,000 houses between 2012 and 2014. They came in and they swooped up everything uh, off of the off of the market, you know, off the MLS, off the courthouse steps, anything and everything they could get their hands on. They bought over ten thousand houses between that time frame. Now, that's impressive, number one. But here's what makes it interesting: they just sold all of their holdings all of their holdings, November of 2019, one month before the first COVID uh, report started coming out. That should, that should blow everyone's mind right there. They sold out everything. Softly suspicious. What, well, yes, I mean, I've, I've heard the conspiracy theories from, from uh, inside information, to uh, oh, they were part of the, the the development of the virus. To to hey, they had a magic eight ball, and they were able to, yeah. to just ask it. Should we sell now? But yeah, <laughs> but 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 going back to your point, conspiracy theories aside, here's what I want you to catch: they have put themselves into a cash rich position to do it all over again. They have put themselves into a, into a position to be able to buy the dip. I work with a hedge fund out of Canada. They're a, a small size hedge fund under 100 million. But they, uh, the gentleman, the owner of that fund uh, was talking to me. He works with a larger multifamily billion dollar fund. And the gentleman who uh, runs that fund. They bought over a billion dollars in multifamily during this last bust. When the report started picking up steam, 
the gentleman owns 17 businesses around his portfolio. So management companies, um, uh, rehab companies, uh, 17 different ancillary businesses. He shut down all 17 businesses, went to his cabin on the lake to work on his book. And in 90 days, while he's working on his book, his, his team is working on raising the capital. And when he comes out of, of his own quarantine, you know, he's working on his book. When he comes out in the next 90 days, he plans to do it all over again, to buy a billion dollars in multifamily. Now that's what smart money's doing. They're getting themselves ready for the opportunity. They're getting the capital raised. And that is so powerful. Now, are we going to be uh, multi-billion dollar funds and such? No, I'm not saying that. However, on a smaller level, and frankly, it's going to get to a bigger level, we're working on something that is, um, that's, that's going to create generational wealth. That's going to create generational wealth, being able to take advantage of this, this opportunity that this, this uncertain time brings. Yeah, well, if nothing else, we know the formula to copy. Absolutely. And I have the connections at Blackstone. So we know how to do it all over again. <laughs> um, Jason Toledo wants to know, how can private money lenders best be used for ourselves, for flipping, wholesaling, creative financing? What's the best use for private money lenders? The answer is yes. <laughs> all of the above. When you have the access to the money, you can use it because remember, private lenders are people. This is not bank. This is not institutional hard money. They are people, relationship building. I have used private money for myself. I have used private money to provide financing for my buyer. I have used private money to partner with so that I don't have to have a you know, debt uh, myself. I was willing to partner with them. I have used private money for so many different aspects of it. It could be down payment money. Um, as long as once you get, remember we talked about the three, uh, the three points. They like you, that's the first step. Then they trust you. Trust is that where they open their wallet the first time. Once you've proven yourself, once you have proven yourself to be an actual uh, performer, that you're going to take care of their money as, as much as they do, they believe in you. And it stops being about the deal and more about you. I've actually met uh, private lenders where they handed me the check so I could buy at the courthouse steps before a mortgage, before anything, they handed me the money so that I could do it. Would I abuse that, that relationship? Absolutely not. I do not, rec don't do it unless, don't take it lightly. But that is what, what the power of relationship, maybe that's what we should call it instead of private lenders, relationship lenders. Yep. That might be the best uh, describe it. Matt Smith also wants to know, what's the average amount of people you need to contact in order to get one lender? The cool thing about these lenders that are in public records, they are lending. 
So it's not a matter of, of whether they will or won't. They're already doing it. The question isn't why real estate. The question is why real estate with you. So we have we've developed a process. We've developed a step-by-step -step process of how to communicate with them, how to present ourselves, and then present our deals that has got us to a point where literally we have a much higher success rate than failure rate. I would say we, of, of the private lenders we call, 80% end up willing to do deals with us. And, and maybe we only, we only don't get to do 20. And those 20 aren't because maybe they're, they're already lent out and they don't have uh, the money to do it right now, but maybe later, or they specifically only want to work with one uh, person that they've already got the relationship with. If that's the case, yeah. that's fine. But I'd say over 80% of the lenders we reach actually end up wanting to do business with us. Yep. And then Justin, uh, Justin wants to know, how do you get someone to like and trust you when you're skip tracing them from the public record and calling them out of the blue? That's the beautiful thing about it. We have developed uh, everything from an elevator pitch that, that specifically targets the, the questions that they were going to ask even before we ask, uh, before they ask it. And we get into, we get into everything. When I say it's a scientific approach, it really is. We get into personality profiling, we get into the exact communication process, the right questions to ask up front. The, I would say the average conversation that we have on first contact, and by the way, that's a beautiful thing I wanna tell you about first contact to, to funding. Whereas it could take you weeks, months, or years to develop a private lender to the point where they'll open up their wallet. When, when you find these private lenders who are already doing uh, private lending, my, my personal record from first contact to funding is three business days. Three business days. Now that's not, hey, you know, I've got a deal. That's from, hi, my name's David. So, so that's, that's very powerful when you can say that from first contact to funding was was under three business days. Have I lost you? Steve, are you there? Uh -huh. Let's see. While we're waiting, I think uh, 
sorry about that. My phone no, no, no. dropped. <laughs> okay, so I missed what you said. Oh no, that that was good. Uh, and then uh, Phil Hill wants to know: in order to raise money from friends and family, do you need to file anything with the SEC? No, that's that's the good news about friends and family. And um, and by the way, we do go into the specifics regarding um, uh, SEC and, and understand we're not attorneys. We just play one on TV. Uh, <laughs> but as far as, as, like I said, we've been doing this for 20 years. We've, we've developed and we've raised a truckload of capital uh, over the years. Uh, one of the key points regarding the SEC uh, they don't want you cold calling for money. And there's, that's, we, we have a process that gets us around that aspect. Um, but regarding raising it from family, that is a personal transaction. You already have a relationship with them. So that does not fall under the SEC guidelines. So you are okay to raise it from family uh, and friends. Uh, however, you have to definitely have a relationship with them. On the other hand, uh, you know, be cautious about borrowing from family because, of course, of all the family drama that could go along with it. <laughs> um, I know to that, I, uh, I got to say. <laughs> uh, so Matt Smith asked a very general question, which I think is good part, probably for most people. Uh, is it illegal to ask someone to lend? money no it's and that is a general question uh people borrow money all the time people lend money all the time that's not not illegal it's the process and it's the steps that you have to take in order to do it for example like i said and i'll, I'll go ahead and share this real quick the sec says that you cannot just cold call and, and make uh, market for money without going through the SEC guidelines and, and, and registering and so on and so forth. There, so, so you see people that are on Facebook that are just posting. Uh, <laughs> Lewis just said, I'm going to ask my dentist. You know what? Dentists make amazing private lenders. One of our biggest private lender was a, a dentist. They don't want to be dentists. They're too busy. They're looking at teeth all day, smelling breath all day. They're thinking about how they could make money without having to look at teeth. So <laughs> dentists make private, great private lenders. Going back to the thing, guys who are just posting requests for money and point, posting deals and, and giving numbers like uh, I, I'll pay 12% interest or 10% interest. Oh. That's illegal. Don't do it, okay? Just on the open channels, you know, just posting it out there. That is considered marketing for money without, uh, without a license. Now, the, they say that if you have a relationship with someone that does not fall under the guidelines, and the SEC has said uh, that relationship, they've, they've quantified it. Relationship is if you have had 
three contacts with them. If you've been in contact with them, if you've talked to them on the phone, if you've spoken to them, if you've been in communication with them three times, you have a relationship. So that's great. That's that's the key to that. All right. So guys, we're going to continue answering questions, but I just want to, you know, share one thing. So, you know, it's only been an hour and a half, you know, that we've been able to pick Dave's brain and you can see why it's so eye opening for me uh, every time I talk to Dave and, you know, anytime Dave calls, I always answer. It doesn't matter what's going on because there's always some, you know, some brilliant nuggets in there and I've made massive tweaks, adjustments. So tweaks not even the right word. I've made massive adjustments in my business in just one conversation I've had with Dave. I created a new job role for a person because of my conversations uh, with Dave. So you can see how excited I am about uh, working with Dave. And so what we're doing is we're actually uh, joining forces. We're creating an actual roadmap to take this information more detailed, more specific. We're going to teach you how to navigate through this uncertain time. You know, it's a little rocky. So uh, we're going to be doing a a 12-week mentoring program. It's going to give you all the tools. You know, we're talking about the credibility packet and all these other uh, things we've talked about to be able to say exactly what Dave has said, that he developed the system and he has not lost a deal for lack of funding. So um, if this market recovers, that's awesome. That's the hope. But regardless of whether it recovers or not, you still need these tools because you can see how powerful it is. And it basically makes you recession proof if you're doing it consistently. Dave got a little lazy in 2008. (laughs) He got burnt, right? I got a little lazy in 2019. I'm in trouble now, but now we're taking steps to recover. So, um, and with Dave, uh, I saw, I posted for you guys earlier uh, while we were waiting for Dave to get his video set up. Dave's well connected with a lot of big, big players. So, uh, for Dave, typically to work with Dave, it's $15,000. That's what he charges. But uh, because of our relationship, and because of this big picture project that Dave alluded to, we weren't supposed to talk about it on the call. I know. I um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to be sharing for the people that actually work with us. Uh, and I can tell you the big project, it is, like he said, about generational wealth. So uh, it's a special mentoring opportunity, you know, only for you guys who are on the call. So during the 12-week program, Dave's going to be going over with you how to find all the private money lenders, um, even in this crazy market. So specific strategies using the information we have, even from the last few weeks, we're going to show you how to speak with them, how to communicate with them, and a step-by-step process that will have them begging you to do deals with them. And it's so important to do this now, even if you don't have a deal for them yet, because when you bring a deal to them, you got a little bit of commission breath. If you build a relationship and say, hey, I don't have anything with you today, but if I have something, would you be interested? Now we're talking about building a relationship versus being, you know, uh, money hungry, or com- like I said, commission breath. So, and best of not all, not only will we show you how to do it, we're actually gonna do this together. You're gonna be following me on my journey, because like I said, I had a million dollars, I got comfortable, and I've lost that line of credit. And I need to develop my own personal uh, private money uh, list. So you guys are actually gonna be listening in on the calls with me as I'm rebuilding my list. So. We're going to make the calls directly to private money lenders. So if you've got someone that you want to talk to as a private money lender, but you don't feel comfortable making that call, when you jump on the calls with us, they will make those calls with you. 
So we're going to work side by side and earn while you learn. And we're also going to be creating a private Facebook group. So this can be an exclusive group for you guys. Uh, you can bring your deals, your questions. Um, so, you know, definitely it's something excited uh, for us to do together. And I think it's really important here. It's together, right? It's not going to be, hey, you know, go, go watch this course and go figure it out. This is not 1998 with Carlton Sheets. He's done great things, but this is not what this is. This is us working together. So we've never experienced anything like this. This is very different. We've gone through 2001. We've gone through 2008. This is different. And I pray that everything goes back to normal. But mm -hmm. if it doesn't, you need this, right? So like I said, what we talked about today, this is just some of the brilliance in Dave's mind. And if you saw my post I, put, I posted earlier, like I was already looking up to Dave before the situation. So I am incredibly grateful that they've offered to share this opportunity with me and everyone I'm connected with. I, I, I think it, it can't be any more amazing. So like I said, if you join us, we're actually doing something even bigger that we can't actually talk about yet for the reasons Dave mentioned specifically about the three touches. Um, and so again, never happened before. We're creating something, positioning ourselves in a way that we're gonna create generational wealth for everyone that we're connected with, and I couldn't be more excited. Uh, so check us out, I'm gonna post a link here. Um, check it out if you guys are interested. If you guys aren't interested, it's okay. Honestly, like the information we talked about today, you can make a lot of money. With just the information we, we, we did today, you can crush it. But man, if you wanna add gasoline to the fuel and come out and be the king in your market, because stuff we're gonna to share today, I would not be surprised if it gets leaked, right, in the next three months. As the stuff that we share, is the, that's the way it is today, right? Like, there's not a lot of secrets. So as we go and build this out, people are going to talk and people are going to share. But wouldn't you rather be in front of this and have had those conversations with all those hard money lenders before this becomes more generally public and, public and prevalent information? So with that said, I posted a link. Go check it out if you guys are interested. Uh, if you want to join us, I would love for us to work together. If you don't want it, that's okay. You're still going to be really successful, right? It just depends on how you want to do it, what speed you want to operate at. Uh, the question is how many people are on this call, Justice? There's 212 right now. There was 260 when we started the call. Anything you want to add to that, Dave? I got to say that this is uh, – what, what you said is 100% correct. The um, – the opportunity that that is available to you guys right now not not about the mentoring and stuff but the actual opportunity to take advantage of this market uh i'm not afraid of what is going to happen that's the cool thing about this i'm not afraid i'm actually excited about the opportunity uh i'm not talking about and i'm i'm hoping that it works out I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm praying that, that the market recovers quickly. Uh, we got to get people back to work. That's very, very important. Um, that being said, we are the people that are going to be part of the stimulus. The government can do all they want to. It's just a band-aid. It's us actually problem solving, us actually going in there using this wonderful uh, system that 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 America has given us to be able to to work 
for our benefit, but it benefits everyone else too. That's the cool thing. What we are as professional problem solvers really makes this such an incredible opportunity to, to do well and do good. And that's the cool thing about it. So we will be going over the step-by-step -step process to navigate through the public records, the step-by-step -step process to actually uh, developing private lenders, the step-by-step -step process to actually contacting, make first contact, uh, communicate with them, build the credibility, build the relationship, get, uh, get deals funded. Being able to, you know, a lot of people, uh, this, this is a, another zig where everyone else is zagging. And, and by the way, you mentioned that uh, a lot of it gets leaked. Honestly, even with that, you will have a head over, over most of the people because, yeah, you can go ahead and find, you could absolutely go into public records and find some private lenders, but you know what, for every private lender in there, there's a, a hundred thousand Bank of America mortgages. That's like looking for a needle in a stack of needles. You have to be able to navigate it to be able to find and consistently find. So we will be, uh, we'll be going through the process where you'll find private lenders your first day. That's, that's a powerful thing. I used to say, and I've made this claim and I've backed it up. The, uh, uh, I said that you could put me in any area of this country and within seven days, I'd be able to raise more than enough money to do any deal I wanted to. And I have raised money in, in New York, in Florida, in Texas, in California. I even found private money in Alaska. I don't know what they were buying with it, maybe igloos or something, but they were buying it and the private money was showing up there. Money is everywhere, I'm telling you. Uh, and, and it is not gone just because the hard money is dried up in some aspects. And by the way, this will work hard, uh, using the public records to find the hard money to help uh, your buyers and such. I'll show you how to find using different public records, not just your register of deeds, not just your clerk of courts, but I'll show you how to make one call uh, or one, one lookup, and you'll be able to find private lenders. You can submit your deals or hard money lenders and private lenders that you can submit your deals to right up front. Um, so you can actually start getting funded within your first few, uh, few days. We'll talk about that as well, but I got to tell you, the opportunity that we are all being presented with, not just the mentoring, but the actual opportunity that this market is providing us is, is once in a lifetime generational wealth building uh, opportunity. And that's why I'm so excited to work with Steve. That's why I'm so excited to bring this to you guys. And I believe that this will uh, give you all the keys, all the tools, and we'll even work with you to make this uh, to make this happen. Yeah. And I just want to say again, like right now with what's happened, like I said earlier, a lot of people are caught with their pants down right now. The, the, the playing field has been leveled. It really has. It's been, it's been leveled. 
And with this information, now you can leapfrog your competition. The guys that are freaking out because their deals are falling out because their uh, flippers have had their hard money lenders back out, you can, if you have the private money, buy it yourself or help those deals get funded so that you're continuing to close your pipeline. And like I said, we can't talk about it yet, but the things that we're talking about uh, for everyone that's in the group, the things that we're going to be doing, I am so excited. I couldn't even sleep the other night when we were talking about it. There so, is a bigger picture. Um, yeah, the big picture. Uh, so uh, one of the questions here was, when does it start? Fowler wants to know, when does it start? It will start next week. It starts next week. Exactly. Um, By the way, and with so, what you were saying regarding, uh, you know, uh, wholesalers and all that stuff, Think about this, you know, where everybody else is a wholesaler. What if you became a private money wholesaler? What if you, by being able to raise your hand and just say, I have money, how many of those guys would bring you deals? You know, that's just, especially in a time like now, deals are, are, are prevalent. How many wholesalers would hand you deals just to be able to to be able to do uh, to get it funded? So I'm telling you, this is an awesome opportunity to be able to have access to the money. Yep, exactly. I mean, I think that's a something you mentioned before, right? Like, if things do take a dive, who are they going to bring the deals to? The guy that's best funded, the guy that can close. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, Julie Meyer is asking for, as far as the message it goes, are we talking about building a list of private money lenders or building a list of hard money lenders? Well, you'll have access to both. That's the cool thing about it. But yes, private money is going to be the primary goal for us. Uh, remember, we're, we're actually changing it from private money to relationship lenders. Relationship lenders are going to be our, uh, our primary goal. Yep. Um, and Ryan Langland wants to know when it comes to friends that have, that have money, what's the best approach with them? The, for, for friends that have lots of money, is that the question? Yep. How do you approach your friends that have a lot of money? Uh, well, shoot, you, you approach them as a friend. You don't, you make the money, the secondary thought. In fact, one of the one of the ways that I have and that's a great question, by the way, but um, one of the ways I've gotten friends to work with me on stuff like that is not asking for the money, just presenting uh, the the deals that I'm doing, just showing the the uh, the transactions that I'm doing, and and almost inevitably they start asking, well, how can I be a part of that? That really is one of the easiest ways to make that happen. Now, uh, once that door has been opened, then you go ahead and you say, well, it just so happens I might have a deal that's coming in. And if, if you really have to ask, the only way I would recommend is, is to either give an example of a deal, say, hey, I, I'm, and, and see if they know someone. So you could ask them to critique a deal you're doing that you're looking to raise fun, funds from, but not necessarily from them. So 
Uh, John Smith is there, your friend John, uh, and you do want to talk to him about it, but uh, but you don't want to just straight up ask for money because that's that's uh, the place where you're giving up all your power. Okay, so instead, I would go uh, ahead and say something along the lines: Hey, I'm I'm working on a project that I'm going to be looking for funding on, and I just wanted to run it by you just so you could see what it is, and maybe you can critique the deal so that you can let me know if. If, the, if I've got it down pat. And then if you go through the project, he may answer and say, well, how much do you need? And then you can go into it. But I wouldn't ask uh, just straight up that way. I would, I would use the opportunity or at the very least, if you're going to ask, just say, do you know someone that might be able to or might be willing to? I, I definitely uh, like the soft approach better. Yeah. So I got a couple of people here that are saying they really want to do this, but they don't have money. And I, I don't have an answer. Do you have an answer? Um, well, let's take a look at it case by case, but uh, <laughs> I, I can understand. I can understand. Um, we, I guess we could look at it case by case, but, but truth be told, it, it is something that because there is a bigger picture at stake, um, we want to make sure that, that you're, you're actually able to take advantage of the opportunities themselves. So, uh, hey, I understand if, if you're not in a position to do it right now, the, this is something that we are going to be uh, discussing. Just, just make sure that that you're make sure that you're you're taking care of yourself first. Obviously, uh, maybe use some of the information that we've provided in this call to start developing it through there, and let's see if we can get you to that place. Yeah. Uh, Henry Marshall has a question. Uh, how do you determine if someone's a true lender? Um, you know, when you're vetting them through the public records, the fact that they did the deal public, that's a cool thing about public records. Public records does not lie. If the deed shows that it went into the person's name, they bought the property or they got the property, the deed transferred. If they did a mortgage and lent, guess what? they lent money. The, uh, the difference is going to be, uh, and, and again, we do, uh, we go through the step-by-step -step process. We'll know the difference between an owner financer and a actual lender. We'll, we'll actually go through that as well. But yes, um, public records doesn't lie. So you will know this person is a private lender. You'll know how much they lent You'll know what kind of property they lent on. You'll know the terms they lent on. You'll know where they are. Many of the times their contact information will be right there. Um, and Chris wants to know what's the cost of getting on this opportunity? Sure. He wants to know how much? Um, well, as far as the, uh, the mentoring program where- yeah, It's all on the website. Yeah, it's all Can there. you guys all access the website? 
Maybe they're having tr problems accessing it. Um, and it, Julie Meyer wants to know, do you have any specific software to make any of this happen? So we are working on software as well. The only issue, and, and yes, I can show you how you can automate it, whether it be a scraper for your specific county or using the VA. Uh, my preference is the VA because then uh, you can actually tweak it to make sure that it is uh, specific and, and, and it doesn't miss anybody. Because it, the, the problem with a scraper, just like batch skip tracing, is it misses a lot of things just because of input. So, yeah, my, my, my strategy is to teach you first how to do it so that you can do it the first 10, 20, 50 times. That way you got it down pat yourself. Then you can show your VA how to do it uh, and we can actually develop some, uh, some videos. What do you think, Steve? We'll create some videos to, to get the VA to do it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's pretty much what we're doing with our, our wholesaling business. Why not replicate the same thing here? Sure, absolutely. So that's a little yep, it, value we just gave to you in this call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Greasy wants to know, do you have experience turning a retired landlord uh, selling a, or a probate seller into a private lender? I think that goes back to the two questions. Absolutely. So, um, Remember one of the nuggets that Steve talked to you about regarding uh, business owners, licensed professionals, and real estate professionals. Business owners uh, are are you know they're they're going they're the ones concerned about their retirement accounts, so they do have IRAs. Uh, licensed professionals, based on their higher education, are more likely to know they need to put their uh, retirement eggs in more than one basket. And uh, real estate professionals, that's where you're going with this. That includes landlords. That includes real estate investors. People have, nobody wants to just stay one thing. Uh, I have, this is my only political joke for the day, but real, you know, single family owners want to be multifamily owners. Multifamily owners, want to be commercial, commercial want to be developers, developers want to be president, you know, it just goes on and on. But, um, but you don't want to be a landlord for the rest of your life, you want to graduate. And, and so as they build up their equity, as they've raised their capital uh, points, you actually will see that they, they already know the power of real estate. Uh, Steve shared that, that one uh, nugget about the fact that mobile home park owners, mobile home park owners make incredible private lenders, uh, even better than dentists, uh, because they understand cash flow, they understand um, real estate, and many times they understand creative financing because they probably had to use it to buy the park. So there is so much opportunity there. Landlords, I would start by possibly owner financing one of their properties. As they see you uh, paying and performing on that property, you've just built yourself credibility. Remember what we said 
we are the security, you've just built it. And by doing that, absolutely, you can convert them into lenders. Uh, and then uh, Chris Collin wants to know, uh, are these your personal group of uh, own investors? Um, or I guess, would this be comparable to your own personal group of investors that you're a part of? I didn't quite get the question. Is what we're trying to do here similar to your own personal group of own investors or is it something different? These are, uh, these are the exact same people. That's the cool thing. Uh, private lenders pretty well all, you know, they do come from all walks of life and, and so on and so forth, but they all do fall into that category. And so they end up being very similar uh, in, in those aspects. So the people that you're going to get are going to be very similar to the people that we get. Um, and, and keep in mind, like I said, we, we do get into the specific mentality behind uh, those, those lenders. So you will find lenders that are uh, emotional action takers. You'll find lenders that are data gatherers. You will find lenders that are relationship builders. You'll find lenders that are competitors. And, and so we will show you how to navigate through each of those, uh, those aspects as well but they all fall into those categories and, and there's a way to, to be able to work out successful win-win solutions with all of them. Yep. And uh, Charles Southwick wants to know with the goal of being a private money lender or relationship lender, is there a minimum amount of minimum dollar amount that you would want to start with? <laughs> Actually it depends because you know, that, that guy that only has 20,000 to work with, could still be a great uh, resource as down payment money. Uh, the guy with uh, 47 million, like the, uh, the one, one of our backers that we have, he actually has family money uh, that, that covers over 47 million. You'd think he's the only one we'd ever need, but he isn't, you know? Uh, and so that is, uh, you know, that guy is there and he, he does back our, our macro projects that are specific to those type of things. So no, there really isn't a limit. You, you, if someone is willing to work with you and back you in whatever your need is, then that's a, that's a very good private lender period. Yep. Uh, Emmanuel, I'm, but I'm going to butcher this. SC. Yofo wants to know, will I be going over negotiation tactics in the course? When you're working with us, whatever question you guys have, we're there to answer your questions. So will I be teaching negotiations during the course? No, that's not the intent. The intent here is to build up a private money lender so that you can fund all your deals. But during the duration, if you have questions, I'm not going to not answer your questions while we're working together. So if you're in the group and we're doing these calls together, I am happy to go over, you know, you guys' specific situations on these calls, right? Like this is here. The main purpose originally was for Dave and me to help me build out my portfolio. But anyone that's on the journey with us is going to have access to Dave and me. This is not a, uh, you know, you only get to ask Dave and my other programs aren't available. We will help you build your business, build your portfolio and be the king in your market. That's the intent here is that for is you guys to crush your competition. 
right? I mean, <laughs> this is the goal, right? We've, the, love, the, the playing field has been leveled. And if you guys don't want to basically take advantage of this situation while the rest of your competition is on the sidelines, hands, hands on their knees, not sure what to do, I don't know. This is, I'm excited. I, I've said this before, <laughs> and it sounds terrible, but I've been waiting for this for over 10 years. I have. I've been waiting for the next recession for over 10 years, and now it's here, and we're going to rock it. Um, Jalen is asking, does this have an expiration date? I don't know how long we're going to be able to do it for 2000. That's just be, you know, being perfectly honest. It's, it's, we have to balance this between time and everything else. So, um, you know, if we get a bunch of people on this, we might not open this again for a while. I have no idea. Uh, so if you're interested, find a way. I mean, that, that was me. When I was broke, I found a way. You know, it, when, I was, when I first signed up for coaching, it was a lot of money. I didn't feel comfortable with it. And I actually couldn't even sleep. But I did it. And it changed my life. So it's tough. But this, is the, this is the world we live in. You know, the, the people that, that, that win are the ones that take action. I don't want to sound like a pushy salesperson, but <laughs> drivers. Drivers are the ones that win. I don't know. Um. Uh, Shanika Shipman wants to know, do you recommend crowdfunding? Yes and no. Uh, crowdfunding at this point is still uh, set into an institutional program, is set into an institutional process. I, I believe in crowdfunding that I can direct, that I'm the actual hub of. So I, I'm not against crowdfunding. I think it's a, it's a cool concept. I don't think it's gotten as much steam as it should have. I thought it would have gotten more, but uh, the hedge fund backers and such have, have made hard money, had made hard money so, uh, so much easier to get at that point that um, I really haven't seen quite the steam as, as I would have liked to. It may, it may pick up. That is, is an option but it's still got that institutional approach. You really can't build relationship. So you're going to have specific guidelines and criteria you're going to follow or going to have to follow. So I still say, yeah, you, you never uh, deny any option available to you. You want to have a quiver, uh, a quiver full of arrows, but you want to get that relationship backing. Uh, so Nadal Darish Darise asked a question which you and I have talked about, which sure. I've never heard anyone else address. So I think this is really interesting. Oh boy! If you have multiple private lenders, one project, how do you manage the collateral? Okay, and you said this to me, question. and I sure. thought that was a brilliant nugget you shared with me the other day. Okay, sure. So yes, that. Remember, I uh, we talked about the uh, the uh, ten million plus project. That wasn't one lender, okay? That was over fifty. Uh, now, you got two different approaches that you can that you can take. You you can absolutely register for a Reg D process and go ahead and do that. The other side is if you're not. It has to be relationship. Remember, we're not talking about 
you know, cold calling and, and uh, just do, within that circle of your sphere of influence. The vehicle that you can use to, uh, to be able to use multiple backers for uh, that one project, instead of having to do a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever, uh, what you do is you can use one mortgage or deed of trust securing multiple notes. So, so with one, uh, one uh, note, you know, one mortgage, we're doing one right now. And the gentleman is using uh, 25, uh, you know, about 75% is going to be IRA money. 25% is personal money. And so rather than having a first and a second, we are doing one mortgage and two separate notes. They're not co-mingling and that's the secret. You cannot mingle investors funds without actually developing a fund and, and getting the, the guidelines and, and following the SEC guidelines. But 75% is to that entity and the 25% is to the other entity. And that way you're able to hold both of them in first position. Oh, there you go. Uh, Chris Sanek wants to know, is there a general contract you use for friends and family? A general contract. Like, is there a, a document that you use? A promissory note, which, and here's, here's the thing. Um, you, you still use the same process. You want to treat your, and this is really, friends and family should not be taken any less lightly than, than the standard lender. If, in fact, uh, these are the people who put up with you. So uh, you want to take care of them even more so. You definitely don't want to take them for granted. So you want to use the same paperwork, the same protection, the same collateral that you would under an, any other circumstance. And, and the more business-like uh, that you can bring it, the less uh, chance of you uh, getting into the family and friend drama of it. So, uh, so there's that. But you, you use a standard promissory note and, and mortgage or, or whatever process that you're going to use. Perfect. And then Julie Meyer is asking what day of the week and time will we be doing this weekly? Uh, for me, tentatively, I've talked to Dave very briefly about this, but we haven't firmed it up. Tentatively, we're looking at the same exact time because this was the time that everyone could make it. So 12 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Fridays. You know, that's a tentative schedule. But at the same time, if for the people that, are on the, that have joined us, that time doesn't work for them, you know, we'll find a workaround. We might do something different. But right now, that's a tentative uh, schedule. Um, and so what else was there? Um, so one of the questions I'm getting here has to do with people that have smaller amounts of money. So Lisa Zeller is like, she's got several people interested in putting their money in, say 10 K piece. How can I structure funding a property with that? Okay. So again, same thing. You, the first thing is you got to make sure that they're, they're comfortable with, that process. And if, if they are relationship uh, 
lenders relationship backers, then they're doing it because of you, not so much about the property. But uh, with that being said, again, you can, there's two different ways you can do it. You could actually bring them into the deal with which case you could actually, for example, create a corporation or an LLC and then uh, they bring in money to be a part of it. That would be like a joint venture version. Uh, on the other hand, as a lender, the vehicle would be a note and a mortgage or a note and a deed of trust. So that deed of trust will be the, the vehicle that you use and then the multiple notes attached to it will be a part of it. So it could be one person, it could be 50 people, depending on how you do it. Gotcha. Uh, and Reggie Mason wants to know, what's the average term as far as time on the private money loan? Um, is there, and I know you kind of touched on it earlier, but just real quick, is there a term, time limit on the private money when it's got to be returned? So again, it, it, it depends on the private lender. I have had uh, lenders that we did the term for one year or six months. I've had an actual lender that didn't want their money back for 20 years. And so they just did a full amortization and they were happy with that. So, so that's, it's, it's all open. I would say, if you really want to know a number, the average private lender wants their money to be uh, on average five years to seven years. There you go. And Julie Meyer wants to know, will there be replays of the weekly Zoom calls that we can rewatch? Absolutely, Julie. Uh, we want to make sure that you're getting maximum value when you work with us. So yes, there will be replays. Uh, every call is recorded. Um, and like I said, we're here for you. I, I am so excited about the things we're going to be doing that we can't talk about yet, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but the things that we're going to be doing, you know, with uh, Dave's history and my history, our connections. Uh, like I said, you know, I've got friends that work directly for Blackstone. In fact, the, at my, an agent at my brokerage was the last agent that they used who was buying um, 30 houses a month with. So we're going to be having conversations and can't wait to get that fired up. Uh, let's see what else is there. <laughs> Mentorship. Uh, I, I want to go back to one thing just as, as a part of this. Uh, one of the hidden pieces that we've gone over regarding what we're offering that I'm actually probably the most excited about is the private Facebook group. That is not about just, you know, chatting about deals and answering questions. I expect that we are going to be doing JVs and that we are going to be making deals happen. That's what we're really about. We're about action. We're about getting uh, deals done. So I, I am seeing this uh, as part of the, the big picture. And then like, uh, like Steve said, there's an even bigger picture, which we'll address. Perfect. And then Chris Danik wants to know, I feel like I should know this, but are there percentages, are these percentages a monthly return or annualized return? Um, you can actually do it um, as a total return or an annualized return, depending on, on what you're pre presenting. 
So, for example, if it's a straight loan, if it's a straight uh, deal that they're lending you 70% of the ARV and they're covering your, you know, your closing costs and your repairs and such, and you're offering them 10% return just using a round number, that is an annualized return. On the other hand, you could do, and you could still do that with or without pains. On the other hand, it could be a percentage of the profit. On the other hand, it could be a just set dollar amount. So remember, just like a contract, which understand a note and a mortgage, a note and a deed of trust is a contract, okay? And that's, that's a very important thing to understand. Uh, but just like any contract, your terms can be limited only by your imagination. So that, that is a huge factor. Uh, Jonathan Mark wants to know, he's curious, what's in this for you? What's in this for, for me? I love it. I love it. And, and if I, I'm guessing, because I saw Brent was on here, I saw a few others that I recognize. Uh, Brent Marino's in it. It's going to be great. I love Brent. I love Brent. I love Adam Johnson. They're amazing people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the people that know me know that I don't actually uh, make, make these sort of things available. But I actually am a part of a mastermind with Steve. And we've, we've been sharing... Uh, and we've been a part of this mastermind for, for quite a while now. And when this market became what it was, a lot of people reached out to me because I've been through two of them. And I specifically started talking to them about these things. I didn't make this uh, available but I was thinking about that big picture. And this is the thing. The more people do get involved with our process, the better it works. That's the real big picture as well. The more people that get involved that actually are succeeding with our process, it's going to, it's going to make everything work better. That's the, that's the best thing I can tell you. So, so for me, what's in it for me? I, yeah, no, this is not entirely uh, altruistic. I, I've got something in it for me, and it's the bigger picture. We have something that we have in mind that we want like-minded individuals to, to be a part of. The more, the merrier. And in order to do that, frankly, y'all got to succeed. Yep. I mean, I don't, for what we're charging, because I charge a lot more than this for my own coaching program. <laughs> True. A lot more. Um, and so I think for what we're doing here, to be able to work side by side with us for what we're asking, I really think it's pittance. Uh, and it's only because of the bigger picture and what we're going to be trying to do uh, with this group. Uh, so Doug Zombeck wants to know, so the next 12 weeks will cover more than just the private money building. Absolutely. That's the stuff that we can't talk about yet but there's some big things brewing that the two of us and other people in our mastermind, we're all going towards the same direction. Yes. Uh, um, 
Nadal Darase wants to know, will this, be, will this Facebook group exist beyond the 12 weeks? Absolutely. We're not kicking people out of this. Absolutely. You can, you can stay part of the, of the Facebook group. Um, Dane Laverty wants to know, do you have any experience in double closing? Illinois has banned wholesaling. So looking for a new way to get the job done without scaring off private money because I see what we're making on the deal. And I think this is exactly what this private money, <laughs> raising private oh. money is great for. Absolutely. We, we have used the private money for multiple avenues. We've used the private money for double closing. We've used the private money for deeds for dollars. Uh, that's a strategy that, that gives you the highest, highest discount possible. We're buying a house right now. It's worth about $250. Uh, we're going to be in it for around $25. Um, we, Steve, you know about our mega mansion uh, transaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's worth 2.5. We're under a million. Um, you know, things like that. There are opportunities that because you have relationship backing uh, behind you, you can use it for for double closings. You can use it to, so you can actually put it on the MLS and you don't have to just go to your list. Um, in fact, for me, during, the, during this huge boom, I didn't market to the list. I did give a first shot to buyers that were in that market that specifically uh, were targeted. I, I would actually create a reverse uh, list uh, for my deal, which, which is a fun thing to do, but I love to put the property on the MLS because that got everybody bidding on it. And so, <clears throat> especially today, because the retail market hasn't slowed down, but the flippers have. Exactly. Exactly. So that private money is, is perfect for that as well. And then, um, if you think about double closing, typically if you're doing double closing, if you're using transactional funding, that's anywhere from one and a half points to three points with private money lender it's zero points, saving a lot of money there. Um, Lewis wants to know how do you leverage private lenders for dispoing uh, in wholesaling? For dispoing in, in wholesaling. So again, you can use it so that you have the property. There's no going around you. There's no anything. You're the actual owner of the property. That's option one. Option two, you can help them with uh, being able to buy it. Option three, you could, you could now wrap the mortgage and owner finance the transaction. Uh, there, there's so many different ways you could use this towards wholesaling, towards retailing, towards partnering. One of the fun ones was when we bought a house, we went ahead and financed it uh, and, and bought the place. Uh, the guy bought it from us, the wholesaler, or, or not the wholesaler, but the, uh, the end investor buyer the investor buyer bought it from us at a set number, brought the money to the table, and then we split the profit that he made when he sold it. So I got paid twice on the deal because I controlled the money. I got my wholesale deal 
and I got to split the profit with him at the end. That's Perfect. just a few different ways. Yep. And guys, you know, keep asking questions. We still have a little bit more time. Uh, so how are you positioning the funding in a double close wholesale? I think we just kind of talked about that real quick already. Uh, Jordan wants to know, how are you borrowing other people's credibility? Oh, we lost them. So I can tell you. Can you hear me? Uh, uh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So how you can borrow other people's credibility is exactly what, what we were talking about. When you got, when you've got someone that is mentoring you, that's doing the deal with you, or doing the deal in a position where you can be a part of it or they can be a part of it. It doesn't have to be a high, uh, a high percentage of the deal. For example, for example, let's say that you've got a, a deal. This is your very first deal and it is, it's a no brainer. You, you're sure you, this is the deal for you and such. You could get a, a veteran uh, investor. You're going to cover everything. Let's just use that as an example. They would still, just for their credibility, just to be able to bring them to the table, would that be worth 10%? Possibly. You know, uh, if they're a part of it and they're actively dealing with the property and such, then a 50-50, that's, that's a fair, but you still get to use not only their resources, but their credibility as well. Yep. Uh, and then Daryl had asked about, to clarify, we're using public data to find private money. We have to look at the mortgage record or deed of trust. Absolutely, Daryl. At a very high level, that's what it is. Very detailed level will show you how to do it effectively so you're not wasting a lot of time trying to do it because there's a specific way that they figure it out that so crazy to me how he figured it out. But that's what we're going to be going over uh, uh, in, in the, in the 12 week mentorship. Um, Charles Southwick borrowing credibility. Like, is that like JVing with pace on a Phoenix deal? Um, if you were to mention how, if you were mentioning how many deals he was doing, yes. So, you know, you can use, the person you're working with, their settlement statements, if you wanted to. You can use their testimonials if you're working with them, right? I wouldn't recommend doing that if you're not working with them actively. Absolutely. But if you're working, yeah. Uh, Joey Vigil, I know there's restrictions to, easing, to using private money. Can you leverage social media to target family and friends? Not quite. You have to have conversations with them. That's what it comes down to, relationship. Right, relationship lending. Relationship lending, relationship back. I love, I love social media. You use social media to have a sit down with them. Uh, so William Norris wants to know, we teach us how to become a private money wholesaler. Can you elaborate on that? Dave? Sure. It, it goes along the lines of what we were just talking about. It, 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 it's based on this one thought process. Most people think if the deal is good, the money will come. I say if the money is good, the deal will come. 
by being able to leverage your contacts with the private lenders, by being able to leverage your contacts and your relationship with these backers, you can insert yourself into many more deals than just your own. That's the power behind what I call private money wholesaling. You get to make money off of other people's deals by being able to help them fund it, by being able to help them fund their, uh, their buyers, by being able to structure the deal uh, with backing to be able to do uh, a number of different ways. So again, as limited by, uh, by your imagination, that's, that's the only limits on this. Now we'll go into the specifics and making sure that you stay on the straight and narrow uh, SEC wise, but, uh, and, and, and legality wise, uh, but, uh, but there are ways to make that work. Perfect. And I, I see there's still a lot of people listening. I, I just want to add one thing <laughs> to you guys. You know, for, imagination. Um, for some of you guys that are, you know, thinking about 2000 is too much, you know, one thing I would ask you is if you don't do this, how much money will you miss out on? If you don't sign up for this, if you're not partnered with Dave and me, how much will you be missing out on as far as potential deals lost, potential deals missed, missed opportunities? Again, I'm not trying to be pushy. I'm just looking at this. Can you afford not to do this? Um, Ella wants to know, how do you sign up? I'll, I'll show you uh, the link here. You can always click on that link. You can click on that link to sign up. And thank you, Charles. I agree. 2000 is cheaper compared to some of the masterminds we're in. Uh, I mean, the ones that I look at typically they're 2000 a month. Um, so Angel wants to know, will it be legal to be a private money lender? Um, what was it? Will it be legal to be a private money lender when we use other people's money? Do we have to say anything else to be legal? That's a different, different level. There's an entire section I devote to to that in our in our weeks. Uh, there's an yep. entire part that I, I deal with specifically to that aspect because there's a right way and there's a wrong way to doing it. And uh, I mean, that's another hour long conversation. So and the um, wrong way is not just expensive. It's prison time. Yes, exactly. Do it right. So, yeah, it's so important to do it the right way. Uh, Tony Thomas wants to know, are we limiting, limiting the number of seats? Uh, we don't have a hard cap, but I can tell you, once we feel overwhelmed, the door is closed. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so more, more more than wants to know, this is a great question. Are we primarily targeting accredited investors? So you had mentioned about our way uh, that we can accredit people. So you want to talk about that? So we do, I mean, you can actually go through the process of accrediting them as well. Now, remember, most of the, so we, we will be addressing the people that you develop. Yes, we'll, we'll address that. We'll, we'll go through that. And if you're developing a private lender, there's, there's a process and a specific uh, point to that. And again, relationship trumps all of that. You, if you've got a relationship with them, 
you know, and such. But, but there is a process to that. But on the other hand, the lenders who are lending already, they're lending already. <laughs> I can't say it strong enough. They're already lending. You're not actually creating a lender there. You're just working with an existing one. So it, it does eliminate a lot of that issue. Yep. Um, and again, guys, just to, I just want to emphasize, if you guys are thinking about it, like go sign up right now, because what's going to happen is you guys are thinking about it. And then when this ends, you're going to convince yourself this was not a good idea. And then you're going to regret that later on. I can promise you that. So I can promise you, you will be really happy when you sign up. And I can promise you, if you don't do it and you're thinking about it, if you don't do it after thinking about it, I promise you that you will regret it because Dave's time is so valuable. I'm so grateful that he's actually allowing us uh, to do this. Um, and Kenny Wright says, you know, he agrees. His position of confidence and strength has come when he's had funding in his corner already. It's a whole different ball game when you've got money <laughs> in your wallet. I'll so, tell you what, when I've made my deals, uh, I've made deals when I didn't have money. I made deals when I did have money. Making deals when I have money is a lot better. Exactly. Uh, Joey Vision wants to know, is it all cash, no payments? Uh, yeah, Joey, that's right. It's, it's all cash. We're not doing payments. I used to do payments on all sorts of different things. And unfortunately, my experience is that it always comes, up, comes back to bite us for some reason. I don't know what it is. There's some sort of, you know, law out there, some sort of natural law that whenever we've done payment, it's always actually come back to bite us. Um, and then Jason Trick wants to know, are we going to be doing private lender luncheons like other people teach? Um, Jason, if you can re, if you can clarify that question. Um, I get it. But, I get okay. it. That's an Alan Cowgill question. <laughs> you know what? I have not yet done a luncheon. I, I, I've done all sorts of things uh, and such. I've not done a luncheon. Uh, I have not needed to. I actually do better one-on-one. -on -one. And because our approach is so targeted, we don't have to. The, the problem, and I, I have nothing but respect for Alan Cowgill. Alan was a, is a, a brilliant individual. Um, and and he, he paved the way regarding uh, private money and such, uh, or, you know, he was one of the, the guys with that. But, you know, the approach which requires luncheons is kind of a, a uh, shotgun approach where, you know, you just throw it all up against the wall and see what sticks. And I, I don't believe that it should be that that uh, hit or miss. We target, even on developing lenders, we target it from a very targeted sniper approach that allows us to know if we're gonna shoot, we're going to hit. And uh, by doing it that way, we've never had to do a luncheon and we have uh, had great success. Yep, and I mean, classic, right? Uh, the way I look at it as a luncheon is you're spending a lot of money marketing, you're bringing people in, and you're just throwing spaghetti against the wall. But our approach, just like finding distressed homeowners, is a very targeted approach 
And when you have a target approach, you can have a one-on-one human conversation versus uh, I don't know what's going to stick kind of conversation. Uh, what else was there? Um, did you mention a book while I was muted? Because people were asking about the name of the book. No, I didn't mention a book yet, but uh, uh, I'm thinking about one. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Uh, he was talking about the uh, the hedge fund guy that was uh, that moved over to you know that went to that uh, cabin on the lake uh, to work on his book. Um, I really can't uh, I can't share any of that yet. <laughs> Let that be his. Uh, but yeah, there's, there will be a book coming from that guy and, and it's, it's a page turner. I promise you. Yeah. And if we wants to know what type of professionals you recommend approaching for private money, that's what we talked about in nugget number two, those doctors, lawyers, licensed professionals, business owners, and real estate professionals. Um, and Quito wants to know how, how are we getting away with not violating securities laws if you're bringing in multiple private investors. And I know we kind of touched on it a little bit ago, but maybe you want to elaborate one more time. Okay. Number one, relationship. Relationship is where that we're not, we're not developing those private lenders from uh, outside our sphere. We're not marketing for the money. We're not uh, doing those things. And, with the relationships that you have with those private lenders, you're still not commingling the money. You're not mi mixing John Q money bags money with, you know, Steve Deep pockets money. So it's it's not getting blended. You are going to keep each promissory note separate from the other, even if you're using the same mortgage. That note is that that investor's, that backer's note. So I, I'm not saying you don't want to get, you know, registered with the SEC and stuff like that. You, if you're going to take it, and we'll we'll discuss that as well. That's a that's a part of what we're going to be discussing in in much more detail. But, Very important. Uh, it is. I was talking to a buddy about a friend of his that went to jail for a year for saying things incorrectly on social media and he fulfilled it. He said he was going to pay some percentage and he paid that percentage. No one got hurt, but because he posted that, even though he honored what he said he was going to do, he did nothing wrong as far as intent. He did nothing wrong as results, deliverability. Only thing he did wrong was use the wrong language on Facebook and he did a year in jail. So, mm -hmm. The stuff is very serious. We have to do this correctly. And that's what we're going to talk about step-by-step step specifically. Uh, Reggie wants to know, do you have any guarantees as far as the program? Absolutely, Reggie. If after six months with us, you don't make an extra $2,000, you'll, you'll have your money back. There's just no way you don't make that back. There's no way. Uh, Doug Zempic wants to know, do you get proof of funds uh, when, you're when you're working with your private lenders so that you can you know, negotiate deals? I've used my private backers for proof of funds. Absolutely, I have. And, and those are genuine proof of funds. They're, they're not the ones that are, you know, the, the fake draw up and 
so on and so forth. That's that's <laughs> those not, don't exist, like, Dave. What are you talking about? Paper <laughs> <laughs> for fun letters? <laughs> ah, what can I say? But yeah, I've used my my backers uh, financial, you know, and bank account statements to be able to uh, to prove funds. Yep. Uh, Dylan Good wants to know wants to sign up for the deadline. Uh, there's no hard, hard deadline, Dylan, but we're starting next week and I am getting everything done this weekend. So everyone that signs up today will be in the Facebook group, will be up and running this weekend. So, um, if you're thinking about it, the sooner you're in, uh, the sooner you sign up, the sooner we can get you in up and running ASAP. And I think it's important. I think, uh, momentum's important. And I, I think that the window is very short, even though there's a 12 week mentorship, I don't know how long we have this opportunity to raise money. And so you got to jump on it as fast as you can. I think speed is super, super important. Uh, Lewis wants to know, he had someone present him a deal. He couldn't, he couldn't fund. How would the proof of, how would the PF have helped? I guess the proof of funds. Well, if you can't fund it, the proof of funds won't help. The proof of funds is to help you establish credibility so that they'll bring you the deal. And then he, the money actually has to be there for you to close on it. Um, what else is there? Moves like speed. Uh, Donald recently had a private money, hard money brokerage. Okay. So I'll have to read that later. Um, so private money. Yeah. So how would the private money help? Yeah. If you have the private money, Lewis, you, you funded a deal. You've got it. That's how that would help. If you have the private money, you're, you're buying that deal and you can sell it on the MLS for more money. The reason why a lot of people wholesale is because they don't have the money to take it down. The spreads are much larger if you take it down and list it. The spreads are way better. But the reason why most people wholesale is they don't have enough capital. So, and that's one of the reasons why I wholesale, right? I don't want to tie up all this capital. But if I have, let's just pretend I had, you know, $10 million in my bank account, you think I would be wholesaling right now? I would wholesale every single house. So that's how having the money uh, would help you. Uh, so can you write? Yes, Friday the 17th. That is the uh, tentative start date. Uh, it's definitely going to be next week. The tentative start date is Friday the 17th. Um. And what else is there? Uh, so guys starting to head out. So guys, again, um, if you guys are thinking about this, if you guys are comp contemplating, go, I'll post the website again, go and, and check it out. I promise me, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And I don't make a lot of promises. I don't make a lot of guarantees. You guys see me out there. Uh, one of the things that uh, people tell me um, is I'm a no nonsense, B, uh, no BS kind of guy. And so when I put my name on something, it's something I'm absolutely passionate about. Uh, yep. So I think that's all of the questions guys. So again, you know, if you guys are interested, go now, sign up, you won't regret it. I, I can get you guys set up in the Facebook group and we can get up and running. And just again, to reiterate a couple of things, we can fund each other's deals. So even if we can't, like what they mentioned earlier, even as we get started, if you can't, if it takes you a little longer, to get your deals funded, to get the funding up and going, 
being in a group of like-minded individuals who are all pursuing funding, if by the time in a week or two weeks or maybe a month you don't have any, you haven't had any luck yet with finding money, you could be in a room full of other people that have access to a lot of capital. So even being in that room, even if you don't have the money yet, you get access to capital right off of that. Um, so we'll give it a couple more minutes if you guys have any other questions. Otherwise, we'll end it in four minutes. Anything else you want to add, Dave? I think, uh, I think we've said uh, everything regarding, regarding the program, what, what sets it apart, what, uh, what the benefits are. And guys, take action. This, that's the best thing I can tell you. It's, it's the, the stuff that was used that, that we're teaching is stuff that we've used, that I've used. It changed my life uh, to be able to have this access, to be able to do this. And this, this sort of opportunity, and I'm not just talking about the mentorship, I'm talking about where we are today. It doesn't happen you know, every, every 10 years, you know, like they talk about the, the booms and the busts and the recessions and all that stuff. Yeah, that does happen. But what we're dealing with right now has an opportunity to, to just be so powerful as, as a, as for, for people who are problem solvers, who are uh, liquid to be able to take advantage to be uh, of the opportunity to be able to do well while doing good, and uh, I think that that this there's going to be there were more billionaires made during this last recession uh, than there was during the boom, and I believe that will probably be even more so uh, as a result during this time. Yeah, perfect. Um, Dustin asked about, what do you say to someone that likes to invest in the stock market? Uh, so if you've listened to any of my presentations about sales, uh, I'm going down the pain funnel. I'm going to ask him, hey, um, stock market's been great. You know, a lot of people have had a lot of success with the stock market. I imagine your stock portfolio has been doing really well. No, it hasn't been doing really well. What do you mean? Well, the whole virus thing happened. Oh, what happened? Well, because of this, the economy shut down and you know, my drop, my stocks dropped 30%. I was like, Oh, okay. But I mean, it's done really well the last few years. So a 30% drop probably wasn't that big a deal. Like, no, it was a big deal. Tell me more about that. And they're going to talk to you about how they lost sleep, how they're looking at their portfolio every hour or every other hour for like a week and a half straight. And then you can just talk about, Oh, so it sounds like you were frustrated with that. And they'll tell you their pressure. It's like, okay, so when you invest with somebody that could give you a consistent return that's backed by real estate, someone that you can rely on, I don't suppose that's something that would be interesting to you. And that's how they're gonna, you're going to convince them. Now, Dustin, if you've been for the last year asking for money that someone invests in the stock market, it's been tough. The stock market's been amazing. But what do we have on our side today? The stock market's been sucking. So uh, Chris Noggle is another buddy of mine who also does a lot of private money. And what he says is money is on sale today because of the stock market. 
Like before, you had to pay 10 to 12 to get their attention. Today, five is pretty sexy. A steady five today is pretty sexy. So that's what I would say to someone uh, who says they like to invest in the, in the stock market. Anything you want to add to that, Dave? I, you know, I think that there's opportunity in both sides. Uh, you know, if you're going to be in this investment field, you got to be knowledgeable in just about every aspect of it. You know, if you're in the financial business, you need to, you need to have a little bit of a knowledge of that. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been looking at what's been going on there. I've been looking at uh, the world events that are affecting the, the stock market. I do believe that uh, the number one thing is if we can get America back to work, we can have a pretty quick recovery, but that doesn't change the fact that the opportunity is there. And whereas with the stock market, the stock market is, um, whether it be a bull trap or a bear trap, <laughs> it's, it, it is there by big money, by market. You know, there was an article I, I read the other day, uh, the headline says uh, that the market gave up all the trillions of dollars uh, earned over Trump's presidency. Now, some people read that and they're like, ah, Trump. Some people read that, ah, market. No, what you're missing and the most important thing is, who did it give it back to, okay? In order for you to sell, someone has to buy, okay? That money didn't disappear. It didn't just evaporate into thin air. Somebody got it. Okay, so there is absolutely, there is, it's all about positioning. It's all about pivoting. It's all about being in the right place at the right time and being prepared to take advantage of the opportunity. Opportunity is one part. Taking advantage of it is the most important part. And for the people that do, that's awesome. But whereas the stock market is very, uh, it, it takes a whole nother aspect to it. And most people with their portfolios are not doing it themselves, okay? And if that's the case, then what's a safe haven? What is an area that can be, uh, can be used uh, that, that, you know what, a stock can go to zero. A stock can literally go to zero. We, we just saw uh, Luke and Coffee. Luke and Coffee uh, was the Starbucks of, of Asia. Uh, China's Starbucks, basically. They have more uh, locations in China than Starbucks does. They are very likely going to be delisted after uh, fraudulent uh, return things. So it went from over $25 uh, stock down to four. People started buying up the stock like crazy at four. And they're putting thousands and hundreds of thousands into it. All of a sudden, the stock market delisted them. That could literally be those people getting zero on their, on their investment. If, if real estate goes to zero, we got a whole lot more to worry about than the stock. Yep. So exactly. that, that's a very powerful way to approach it. 
And then Julie Meyer, we'll have this be the last question. Uh, do what you and Dave teach different than what Bigger Pockets preaches to people wanting to do well in real estate as new investors? I truthfully don't follow a lot of Bigger Pockets. Uh, they seem to be very, very general and appeal as broad as audience as possible, which I think is great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that model. That is the most profitable model <laughs> to engage to as big an audience as possible. But I've read the Raising Private Capital books. I've had private conversations with Dave. It's not even close. It's just night and day. So if you guys are interested in raising private money, raising private capital, you want to do it with someone that's raised millions and millions of dollars, not someone that's wrote a book about it. I don't know. That's just my, my thoughts. So uh, with that, thank you, Dave. Thank you guys, everyone for watching. If you guys are thinking about it, sign up. I look forward to working with you guys. We're going to crush it together. And for everyone else that, you know, they couldn't do it today. Hey, we gave you as much value as we could over three hours almost. So, you know, run with it. And, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. And I look forward to you guys. We're going to be working coming up this week. I'm going to be setting everyone up on the Facebook account. Uh, for those that have signed up, I, I'm so excited for what we're going to do. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you spending three hours with us. Hey, thank you guys.